thank you so much. I want you, if you would, if you might notice this prayer that we have on the screen. And uh, we're going to read it together. I'm going to read it, but uh, you can have your eyes wide open to be okay. Dear Lord, we're still hoping we'll wake up. We're still hoping we'll open a sleepy eye and think what a horrible dream. Dear, dear Father, we're sad. And so we come to you. We don't ask you for help. We beg you for it. We don't request it. We implore it. We know what you can do. We've read the accounts. We've pondered the stories. And now we plead, do it again, Lord, do it again. Remember Joseph, you rescued him from the pit. You can do the same for us. Do it again, Lord. Remember the Hebrews in Egypt. You protected their children from the angel of death. We have children too, Lord. Do it again. And Sarah, remember her prayers. You heard them. Joshua, you remember his fears. You inspired him. The woman at the tomb, you rescued their hope. The doubts of Thomas, you took them away. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Most of all, do it again what you did at Calvary. After three days in a dark hole, you rolled the rock and rumbled the earth and turned the darkest Friday into the brightest Sunday. Do it again, Lord. Let your mercy be upon all who suffer and look kindly upon your church. For 2,000 years, you used her to heal a hurting world. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Through Christ, amen. This is a prayer prayed by Max Lucado on September 15th of 2001 but uh, certainly seems appropriate for us even today. We know that the Lord's going to continue to do a miraculous work. We've seen the Lord be at work already during this pandemic. We know that He's going to continue to use the church. He's going to use church people in order to help and to heal uh, the things that need to be helped and the things that need to be healed. And we want to be a part of what the Lord is doing. I'm going to ask you if you would turn to Exodus chapter 18. As we continue our study today, I have found and have enjoyed certainly going through as we've looked at the life of Moses and the Exodus and continuing our journey through that. Even I am amazed at how this Old Testament story continues to point to Jesus and to continues to give us relevant information in order that we might be able to be helped to the things that we're going through today. Now, just to kind of catch you up on the things that... Uh, where we are today in Exodus 18, and that is that uh, we know, of course, the Hebrews have been slaves. They've been under oppression for 400 years, and the Lord, through Moses and the ten plagues and the Passover, brought the Hebrew people out. One to two million people are now traveling through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. But before they make it to the promised land, they first have a stop at the holy mountain, at the mountain of God known as Mount Sinai, sometimes called Horeb. Already the Lord's helped them in the wilderness. Already the Lord has provided manna every day for them in the wilderness. He has provided twice. He's provided uh, water for them where they were thirsty, and He continues to do so. And now they've come to settle down for what might be a new normal. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar. And now with this new normal, we find that Moses, the leader of God's people, he's spending much of his time taking care of disputes and complaints as being the judge of God's people uh, as well. So I invite you to come along and we're going to watch and we're going to listen in to the things that are happening to the life of Moses there as they're awaiting for God's instructions and still making their way to the holy mountain. We're reading from Exodus chapter 18. We'll be reading beginning in verse 13, read through 27. This now is the word of God. The next day Moses set to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another. 
and I make them know the statutes of God and His laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what, are you doing, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice. And God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Verse 21 reads, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide for themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You'll be able to endure, and all the people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people's chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, and fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word. Today, if you go on the website of Lifeway or maybe Google any kind of Bible study, you might just run across something that's called the Beverly Hillbillies Bible Study. And if you come, you might also find something called the Gilligan's Island Bible Study and the Seven Deadly Sins. I'm not sure what they all are, but I'm sure it has something to do with Ginger and Marianne. I've got to tell you, when I read that, that those are Bible studies, how silly I think that is and hard to believe that you would use those kind of things in order to do Bible study. Now, when it comes to the Andy Griffith Bible study and what I like to call parables from Mayberry, well, that's certainly something different. But how many of you, you remember Jethro? We're going to learn something from Jethro today. And we're also, I, I figure that if we can learn from Gomer in the book of Hosea, we can certainly learn something from Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses. And there are three basic lessons we're going to learn. Maybe you picked up some notes uh, as you came in, or for, they will certainly be on the screen. But these are the three things. Where, where do we go to get good advice? What did Moses learn from Jethro, and what did Jethro learn from Moses? Well, today we can pretty much find advice or people's opinions from anywhere that we look. We can certainly find it from the morning shows, the talk shows, the news reports, radio stations, advice of just about anything that you could name. You can find on the websites, bookstores, special interest groups. There are uh, those who are politicians and preachers and teachers who have opinions and advice, and we're ready to give it just about at any time. You might also find advice maybe from family and friends, perhaps from Facebook and even fake news. But how do you know which is good and which is not, what's true and what's not? Now, at uh, perhaps maybe uh, uh, stating the obvious, and we also, as in your notes, we know that not all advice and not all, not all information is good and not all of it is true, and sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Bible, of course, is the greatest uh, guideline, the only adequate source of authority that we have today that we can read, we can look at, and we can hold with our hands. Would you agree with this? Would you also agree that it needs to be prayerfully approached and it needs to be thoughtfully understood? I'll tell you, in my pre preparations even for today's message today, I've looked in a lot of commentaries and maybe 
studies, particularly on this passage. And I have found many who have said particularly that Jethro gave good advice to Moses and advice that he should follow. But also found places in some commentaries and in some who even there are well-known people that have said that Moses gave worldly advice and that Moses actually should have continued with the way things were and keep doing what he was doing. Well, we're going to talk today about the best way to understand and be able to apply God's Word and to be able to find what is good advice and what is true and what is not. What does this prove? I'll tell you this about things that I found about this, that it's not always easy to know what is truth and what is being said, especially by those of us who are not experts, which includes me. Where the Bible is concerned, do we stop studying because there are some parts of it that are hard to understand or maybe even some parts that people disagree? No, we do just the opposite. We find ourselves studying even more diligently so that we might be able to understand and might be able to apply the truth and be able to understand the difference between good advice and bad advice and truth and error and that which is not true. But here's what you and I need to understand. Not all advice is good. Not all news is true. No matter how authoritative it sounds, and sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. But I like what the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. There we have Paul and Silas. They come to the city of Berea and they preach the truth about Jesus using the Old Testament. And the Bereans, the Jewish people who were there, they studied and they searched the Scripture. Acts 17, 11 said they searched the Scripture diligently to find out if Paul was telling the truth. And many became believers. Here's my hope that every time we open God's Word, every time we come together in a setting such as this, that you'll be even more hungry for the truth as found in God's Word and you want to apply it every day in your life. That you want to come back again and again and be able to hear it. That you want to be able to look for it for yourself. That you might be able to discover for yourselves the fascinating stories both in the Old Testament and the New Testament and how every part of the Bible, even the parts that seem mundane, Point to the truth and the great mystery. If you ever run across that word in the Bible where it talks about there's a great mystery, there is a great mystery that has now been revealed. And it is this, Jesus is Lord and He loves you. And He wants all people to come to Him and to be able to know Him. That is the mystery that He wants to draw all people to Himself. Okay, so we've discovered not all advice is good, not all news is true. Here we have in the story that we read, Jethro, the priest of Midian, not even an Israelite, though he is Moses' father-in-law. He gives Moses some advice. Is it good advice or not? How can we tell the difference? Well, this will help. Be ready to listen and have a teachable spirit. Whether it's about church, school, sports, or business, everyone seems to have an opinion about what should be done during this pandemic. There is no way you can follow everybody's advice. Why is that? Because some opinions are exact opposite of some others' opinions. Some advice is even exact opposite. But now, the opposite of listening to every kind of advice is what? It's to listen to nobody. But the Bible says, what? Pride goeth before a fall. And those who feel they have all the answers and are not willing to take good advice or are willing to learn from others certainly are headed for a fall. Let me remind you, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 12 says this, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Now, here was Moses. He knew when to listen to others. 
Now, who did he have with him? He had the Israelites as they're making their way through the wilderness. If you know anything about the story or have been listening over the last few weeks, you know that oftentimes the Israelites came and they complained about the way things were going. They were wondering why they were brought out there into the wilderness and why they didn't stay in Egypt. They should go back to Egypt. Moses knew not to listen to that kind of opinion or that kind of advice or not to be distracted. And here Jethro, the father-in-law, he's a Midianite, Midianite priest. He's come to the desert to meet Moses. And while he's there, he sees Moses at work doing what he's doing in their new normal for the time. Now when you, when you think of Moses, what do you think of when you think of Moses? You see Moses maybe with his staff or maybe he's holding the Ten Commandments. You don't usually see Moses, how he is portrayed, particularly in this chapter, as one who is judging the people. Do you remember Judge Wapner of the People's Court? How about Judge Judy? Is she still out there? Seemed like her husband was a judge. Was there a Judge Joe Brown and there's something about Texas justice? You're at least aware that these things exist. What do most of these kind of shows have in common, or at least about the judges? These judges don't take no lip from nobody. I mean, pardon my grammar, you understand, but that's the kind of attitude that you get. Well, it doesn't seem to be the attribute of Moses. When his father-in-law saw him working as a judge and advisor from morning to night, and the people waiting around all day, he asked two questions in verse 14. What is this thing you're doing, and why do you alone sit and people stand all day to hear from you? Now note, first of all, how Moses did not answer as the son-in-law. He did not say, wait right there, Pop. Now, maybe that's what his children called their grandfather, I don't know. Wait right there. I'm the man. I'm the one that everyone is coming to, and I've got the answers because God gives them to me. Well, I can't tell you how much advice I was ready to give early in my ministry. Uh, even when I was in my older teens, which is when I began my ministry in my early 20s, I was ready to give my advice and my opinion very confidently, most of it not very good. Why is it that the older you get, the dumber you get somehow along the way? But now you can ask me about parenting. Well, I can tell you a little bit maybe from my experience, but maybe not near as confident. You could ask me about marriage. Well, I'm about as clueless as your husband, maybe. If you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. But you know, maybe I could certainly tell you what the Bible says and I can tell you where I've made mistakes. But to believe that you know it all and need, to advise, need no advice at all is to set yourself up for a fall. Moses did tell his father-in-law that people were coming to him so that he might be able to tell God's laws and statutes. Remember, they've not been written yet. God's laws have never changed, you understand, but now they've not been written and they were coming from Moses, but nobody knew the heart of God better. For the moment, only Moses could do this. Now, there must have been a lot of disputes. After all, there were one to two million people, of course, and if there are that many people, there's going to be some disputes and things that need to be settled. So morning to night, day after day, perhaps Moses was seeking to answer some of these disputes that were coming along the way. Plus, you've got to imagine, if there's a people here who will complain so much about God or complain so much to Moses, don't you think they would complain against each other? Moses is giving out free legal advice. His job would never end, and his father-in-law told them he would wear himself and his people out. But despite the importance of his position, Moses was the most humble 
and meekest man who ever lived except for Jesus Christ. We know that because the Bible tells us that. Which meant he had a teachable spirit. Now God most often spoke directly to Moses. But so you might wonder on this particular occasion why I used Jethro. We're not sure, but it does tell us that God speaks to us in different ways and sometimes through special people in our lives. So we've already learned we listen to others with caution because not all advice we get is good advice. Not all of it is true. And sometimes it's difficult to tell the difference. Nevertheless, we need to be ready to listen, have a teachable spirit who wants to learn and grow in the faith. If there's one attribute that I want, there's an attribute that I want our staff to have and I want our servant leaders and all of our members is that we have a teachable spirit when it comes to the things of God. Otherwise, when we come together for such a time as this for worship or Bible study or whatever we're doing to disciple us, well, they will matter little unless our spirit is ready to learn. But also, pay attention to those who love and care for you the most. Do you know why Jethro had come to meet Moses in the desert? We didn't read it, but if you look back at chapter 18 and verse 1, we began in verse 13, but verse 1 says that he had heard all that happened about the Israelites in leaving Egypt and how God had cared for them in the wilderness. We find in verse 5 of chapter 18, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came and his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness when he was camped at the mountain of God. Now, Moses' family had been staying with his father-in-law in Midian. We don't know how long because we know that they had first, when Moses first came to Egypt, that they were with Moses. But at some point, they went back to Midian. And now they were being reunited as a family. We'll talk more about their conversation in a moment. But Jethro, the advice giver to Moses, the lawgiver and judge, it is given the advice because he has a vested interest. He has a family interest. And obviously Moses trusted him. And unlike many of the Israelites who all had opinions and complaints of their own interests and agendas, Jethro's interest was in what was happening with his family and it was what was happening with God's people as well. So if you're going to listen to anybody, listen to those who care about you the most. For instance, for some of our youth and maybe some of our teenagers that are listening here today or listening today, about to start school in a little bit over a week, and you, you care about what your peers think. I mean, in a real sense, you care about their advice. But I can tell you, of, of all the friends that you want to impress, and sometimes that might mean compromising your value. Sometimes it might be going over the line sexually. Sometimes it might be doing something at a party that you would not normally do. Of all those people that you really want to impress, Five, ten years down the road, there'll be less than a handful, less than you can count on one hand who are still truly your friends. Well, pay attention to those who truly care for you, to those who are glad for you when you do good, and those who worship the same God as you and have the same values. The application for all of us, for those who wish to make a stand together as a church. So hopefully, listening to family members who love you, and to Christian family and friends. But there's one more piece of the puzzle missing. Because even well-meaning people like your family and your closest friends, they can sometimes even give you advice that they think is good that may not be all that good or may not be right or may not even be true. So how can you know that you're getting good advice? Forget the good advice. Go for the godly. Forget the good advice. Go for that which is godly. 
Jethro told Moses, what you're doing is not good. Now Moses could have argued, yeah, this is good. People are, you know, getting their questions met. We're taking care of things. What he really could have been saying is, what you're doing is not the better. There's a better way than people standing around all day in line. You and people are going to wear yourselves out. What's, what's the longest that you've ever stood in line? I mean... Have you ever been one of those who maybe wanted to get a concert ticket or maybe you wanted to buy the newest iPhone and you brought your sleeping bag or your chair out so you could wait all night to... No, me neither. I'm not one of those. Have you ever been uh, maybe one of those who went the very last day to the department, the very last day of the month to the Department of Motor Vehicles and had to wait for your tag? Okay, yes, I had to learn certain there along the way. Maybe uh, maybe you showed up on the and you, uh, last day to buy tags with... Have you ever sat in line yet for a COVID-19 test? Well, not yet. Um, February 14th or around that day, here at Parkway Baptist Church, they, we open it up to people to sign up to be a part of Parkway Preschool. We have people that come, and they'll put their chair out here at 4 o'clock in the morning, so they'll be first in line to be able to sign up for Parkway Preschool. So those kind of things do happen. Several years ago, our family went to the Southern Baptist Convention in Orlando, Florida. The Southern Baptist Convention starts on Sunday night, usually ends on Thursday at noon. On Friday of that day was the grand opening at Harry, of Harry Potter World at Universal Studios at the Universal uh, theme park there. So the kids asked, can we, go to, can we go to Harry Potter World opening? Well, I said, it's going to be a lot of people there, but tell you what, We'll go really early so we might beat the crowds. We got there really early before it opened. Us and 10,000 other people. And we stood in line not knowing how long it would take. Guess how long it took? Two hours. No, four hours. No, six hours. Seven, eight hours it took us to stand in line in order to get to the part of the park to where then you can go stand in line to ride the ride or whatever it is. But lots of interesting stories, lots of people that we met uh, along the way as well. And uh, uh, so lots of stories. In fact, at one occasion, after we'd been there for several hours, uh, a couple of times, there were people that tried to break in line. There was almost a riot. Security had to be called. But they only held me for a little while, so it was okay. Uh, was it worth it? Well, yeah, it kind of was. I mean, call us crazy. We're glad to be there on opening day. Some of the cast, Harry Potter, were there. Well, Jethro said, this is not good. And understand, this may have been an understatement. We were in line for something that we wanted to do. Imagine these people were in line with people they had to dispute with, and they were there from morning to evening. And at least 50% of the people are not going to get good news. There's a powder keg ready to blow. Well, Jethro says in chapter 18 and verse 19, he says, Now obey my voice, I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cause to God. The difference between good advice and godly is if God stands by it. Stop looking just for good advice. Good advice is found in many places. Godly advice is found if God commands it. If you're sure of it, it's in keeping with God's word. Don't settle for good anymore looking and even waiting for the godly will be worth it 
Tom Rainer, president of Lifeway, in one of his books, he says, Good is often the enemy of what's best. Or, how do we know what's best if we're convinced it comes from above and the advice we are getting and we are doing is about Jesus? Let's, let's use this criteria and see if we can determine if Jethro's advice is bad advice, good advice, or godly advice as we discuss what Moses learned from Jethro. Now, Jethro gave some advice that would cut down long hours, make people much happier. His plan included choosing others, and let them help in doing the work and making sure their officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And then all the people would handle all the small disputes, only things that would be brought to Moses, those things that were of great or those things that were big decisions needed to be decided. For some reason, I'm reminded that when Kelly and I first got married, we decided as a spiritual leader of the house, I'd take care of all big decisions and she would take care of all small decisions. It's been 35 years. There's not been one big decision yet. But I hope that she lets me know. Kidding, of course, about that. But notice this process of development in verse 20. He wasn't just waxing eloquently, but he was given a detailed process for leadership and worker development. He said, teach them the decrees and the laws. He was teaching them discipleship, teaching disciples them in the law of God. We're in Exodus chapter 18. What's about to happen in Exodus chapter 20? One of those chapters everybody should know in the Old Testament. Well, it's the giving of the law. It's the Ten Commandments. And so the Lord is preparing Moses and the people for what's about to take place. God's law is about to be literally chiseled in stone. He said, show them the way to live in verse 20. Moses was to equip some of these terms have similar meaning. We could talk about each one in detail, but to help us to understand, Moses was to disciple the people in God's love, God's law, and then show them the way to live according to what is said in God's law and equip them to apply the law in every, every area of life, give general principles of application. And then the last part of verse 20 says, the duties they are to perform, he was to train Trained them in specific duties they were to perform and what would be different for different people according to their gifts and abilities. After all, those who were the leaders over a thousand would probably handle things differently than those who were leaders over ten. This process of development, whether we point back to this chapter in the Bible or not, this is what the church has been seeking to use throughout the centuries to disciple and to quit and to train. We're seeking to do that as a church. It's been difficult over these past few months but we certainly have never been perfect at it and you and I as individuals we have responsibilities to be discipled be sure that we're being discipled that we're being equipped and that we're being trained now we're a little over halfway through the first year of our new decade um, we certainly have hopes to where things go from here but one of the things that we're going to be emphasizing is reaching new people for Jesus and whatever we do, we want to do it with excellence, taking care of our property and making sure all of our Bible studies and our ministries and programs and everything that we do is certainly God-honoring so that we might be able to see the big picture of being on mission for Him. is good advice then, it's good advice now. Well, Jethro gave advice on the selection of who the workers were to be in verse 21. He said, But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. How appropriate they were to be God-fears, trustworthy and honest. In fact, if you read in the New Testament, Acts chapter 6, or about deacon selection, or about 
those who are to enter the pastorate and other leaders. You'll pretty much find these three categories continuing. God fears, trustworthy and honest, and not just for men, but men and women. It's the description of the workers that are needed in God's church, telling us that character matters. In fact, it matters more than gifts and talents and abilities. But the best criteria for determining if Jethro's advice was godly advice, and by now you probably gather that I think it was, is the inclusion of seeking God. Verse 23, we read a moment ago, it says this, If you do this, God will direct you. You'll be able to endure, and all this people will go to their place in peace. Some translations, though, go be able to be satisfied. The best advice and the key to success in any endeavor, Moses learned that when we follow godly advice that comes from above and helps us to work well with others, everyone wins. Now, just in the last few minutes, let's learn something very important, maybe most important part of this passage, and it is what Jethro learned from Moses. We want to go back for just a moment earlier in this chapter for all the emphasis on this chapter seems to be what Jethro told Moses, what's often overlooked is what happened to Jethro. Jethro and Moses' children may meet Moses in the desert near Sinai. Very special meetings about to take place. There's going to be Jethro and Moses' wife and his kids are going to take place. And Moses demonstrates to Jethro a love that is genuine. Verse 7. So as Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him and they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Now, I could have just said Jethro came and met Moses, but whenever details are given like this, it's always for a reason. And Moses demonstrates to Jethro a love that is genuine. Moses may have always shown great love for his father-in-law, but when Moses met Jethro, he showed great respect and bowed and kissed him. Now, had I been Moses, I probably would have kissed my wife first. But they greeted and asked each other about each other's well-being. They weren't just in-laws, they were friends. And Moses had some good news to share, but at the same time, he showed love to the one who needed the news. For Jethro is described, we've mentioned it many times, as a priest of Midian. Midianites were from Abraham. Midianites were pagan worshipers. They were idol worshipers. They were pagans. And they were often under the list of enemies of the Israelites. And so we find here that he's an unbeliever. Yet that day Moses tells his father-in-law, this unbeliever, all the things that God had done. Told him about how they had come through the wilderness, how God had saved them from slavery. Told him about the water in the Nile that had turned red, about the locusts and the plagues and about the Passover and how God had provided manna Every day, he probably said, wait till tomorrow. You see what happens. You'll see the man in the morning. He told him how God had provided water in the desert, and he continues to do so. And he says, oh, those pesky Amalekites. We had our first battle with them, and God gave us the victory. Moses told the Jethro the truth about God. And as they talked that day about God, all that God had done, they began to praise God together. In fact, verse 10 says of verse 18 that Jethro yells out, Praise be to the Lord. Why would this pagan priest yell out such? Because Moses brought these two things together that are necessary to win family and friends to Jesus. Love and truth. And Jethro became a believer in the one true God. You know, there are many well-meaning Christians out there that 
want their family and friends to go to church or to know who Jesus is, but too often they browbeat them instead of loving them to the faith. You know you ought to be in church. Uh, you would act that way if you were a Christian. And then there's another set of believers who would never say anything about Jesus to their family member and friends. They already know about Jesus. Well, maybe they do, particularly if they live where we live. They know something about Jesus. But what they need to hear is the difference that Jesus has made in your life and how He's been working in you. Jethro needed to hear his personal experience, the personal experience of Moses. And he was able to exclaim in verse 11, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Notice the Lord's all capital letters, which meaning it's a translation of God's first name, Yahweh. And he calls him by that sacred name. Now I know that Yahweh is greater. And the application is this, and you've got that perhaps in your notes demonstrate God's love and share with others the difference that Jesus has made in your life. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you need to demonstrate the difference Christ has made in your life. So there's a lesson here for all of us. There's a lesson here for everyone. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you do, you either need to follow the lesson of Jethro or the lesson of Moses. And the lesson of Jethro is to begin to understand that if you don't know Christ, you can know that God loves you. And the truth is that Jesus is God's Son. He died on the cross and He rose again, and He wants to give you new life today. You can call upon Him even today, asking Christ to forgive you of your sins and asking Jesus to come in. Then you call out like Jethro did, Praise be, God is greater than all gods, and He's Lord of my life. Because He's promised that if you call upon Him, He'll save you, give you home in heaven, and live in your heart. Or you need to follow the Jethro in this case. Excuse me, you need to follow Moses. And that is not only that you're willing to listen and li listen to godly advice and follow that, but you need to demonstrate God's love in your life. You need to be ready and willing to tell the truth about who Jesus is. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house today. We thank you, Father, for those who've come. Some we have come into your house for the first time in, uh, in many months and we're thankful to see these we thank you Father for our guests who've arrived today, we pray your blessings upon these as well, Father those that are here that are searching and seeking after you we pray today might be the day of their salvation we pray Father for all of us who are here today and particularly those who are Parkway members, those who are part of the family today, we pray, Father, that we might be ready to demonstrate your love, share God's truth wherever we go, no matter what happens. And know that we can continue to pray, Lord, do it again, Lord. Do it again. Continue to use the church. Continue to use God's people to make a difference in this world. Thank you for your miraculous work that continues to take place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to encourage you.